Wow. Welcome to episode 21 of the Reheated Podcast. Thank you. Wow. 21. Famous number. If we want to take it back to, um, I forget what year, but I am drinking water, just so you know, because if you can hear, my, um, my mouth is dangerously dry. But 21, there was that beautiful thing from Vine back in the day. That kid saying, 21. And that was, I feel like, the first meme that like took my house by storm back in the day. Um, so I'm just really reminiscing right now, actually. Thank you for giving me that time to do that. It's Monday morning. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> every week, my posting is a little bit different because every week is a little bit different. My workload is different. My schedule is different. Who I'm hanging out with is different. Um, and I tried to do a little a little recording with Jordan last night. Lord knows that would have been goof. Um, but it was not working. So you've yet to meet Jordan. I'm so sorry. Maybe you'll meet her in this episode for all we know. Like, I, I seriously can safely say right... Oh, excuse me. I can seriously safely say right now that I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, I'm just checking through, and I'm going to keep uploading. So... I don't know. I'm actually, like, as we speak, I'm going to create a, a post um, for... Oh, Taylor's so toasted. What's going on? Taylor? Yeah, girl, we know. Teaser trailer, third quarter of Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. Midnight's at midnight. Right. Yeah, midnight's at midnight, girl, we know. Lyric videos... She's fucking crazy, is, is she not? She's crazy. Love her. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna post something right now saying, "What do you guys want to see?" At a loss for podcast topics. <laughs> um. Honestly, I might come in and do a 17-3 and three with um, some people that I know that you guys don't know because we did one. I did one with Sarah Steely back in the day, if you want to go look at that. It's my first 17-3, and three, and I think the 17-3 and three works. I think it's cool. I think um, my double entendre moment with the 73-question interview with Vogue was so clever and amazing and smart. Um, so I want to reintroduce it, especially because there's so many new characters in my life that you guys, like, don't know about. Um, not that I'm saying, well, that I think works on both ends, because there are some people who probably listen, probably listen that, like, my old characters are new to them and vice versa. But <laughs> all in all, I think we should all just get to know each other. So I think maybe I'll do a 17-3. Hopefully I can wrangle somebody into the dorm. Um, I don't know. Dorm life has been so chill, if you've been wondering. It's been, like, eh. I've settled in, like, to the the melodramatic aspects of not living in a 
um, in like your own room at home with a queen size bed, obviously. I've actually gotten used to the twin bed, which I was not expecting. Um, I was honestly expecting to fall off more times than I actually enjoyed a good sleep, but I haven't fall fallen off yet. Knock on wood, of course. Um, oh my God, I just remembered last night I had the funniest dream. I was just traveling a lot. Yeah, no, I was traveling a lot. I think I was in Italy at one point, and then I was in London, and then I was on the on a train to Beijing. But I don't think I ever... No, I got to Beijing. And I was like, this looks like New York City. It was weird. Um, <laughs> but I slept really great last night. I might have had... Mm, I was a little juiced last night, you know? There were there were juices. So I was like... <laughs> not Like, it was it was night-night. At, by like 10:30, because the juices were, um, the juices were juicing starting at I shit you not 6 p.m. So it just it it called for an early night. God bless. I mean it's it's Monday, so I love Mondays. Oh my God, wait, can I talk about that? Listen, Mondays. Shut up. Literally, this is not even a college thing. I liked Mondays during high school. Because, okay, yeah, cases on Mondays, all, we, we know all this shit. We know everything that we wanted to say about Mondays, whatever. We can say that they suck. But Monday, because I adopt my, um, my practice of Sunday being indeed a day of rest and getting to bed early and just in general the week being for rest – I wake up on Monday, like, ready to take on the fucking week. I wake up, I have energy from the day before, and I didn't, I usually don't do, like, homework or anything on, on Sundays. I usually do it earlier, so I didn't really st spend my last day stressing. I spent my last day, like, just playing around and having a good time, and then Monday, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm well-rested and I'm ready to work. Then, okay, Monday happens, and then I get stressed because I have to real I realize everything I have to do during the week. So by the end of Monday, like, after I get home, then I'm stressed. And then Tuesday's a shit show, as we know. I mean, like, Tuesday sucks. You're just, you're fucking, you're, you feel like there's no end in sight. You're drilling. You're doing all the work that you have to do for the week. And you don't feel like you have enough sleep because, obviously, Monday night's sleep was not good. And then Wednesday comes, and you're just like, okay, I guess I'll live with the pain. And then Thursday, Friday's in sight. And then Friday, <laughs> we know about Friday. We know about Friday. TGIF, am I right? So, long story short, that's my opinions on weekdays. If you ever were <laughs> wondering about that, good God, I'm boring today. Um, but yeah. <laughs> good God, I have a class in like an hour. And in that hour, you know, not much I really want to do. I, I kind of wish I'd slept for longer, but knowing me, I probably wouldn't have slept for longer. Um, I have intro to theater production, and that's just basically, it's usually history for the lecture portion, but last time we had a guest speaker, um, which was interesting, and this time, and because of that, we, di we didn't do history, but I think that was just because of the speaker. I don't think that we're going to stop doing history now. Because I actually quite enjoyed learning about theater history. It's quite interesting, if anyone if anyone was wondering. Um, but yeah, so that's why. I'm just like kind of chilling, kind of waiting. I think what I'm going to do, just because I really don't have any, like, I really don't have anything planned for you guys, is um, I'm going to get a guest on here, hopefully soon. That honestly might take longer, so maybe there will be a delay in the episode. 
and I'll collect whatever things people have to say on Instagram about the podcast, and I'll get back to you guys. This is just an intro. An intro. This first eight minutes. Sorry, they were just a little. They were a little kooky. Um, but I'll get back to you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Guys, I shit you not. Like, I'm goofy for that. Like, I'm goofy. Um, I don't even know what happened. I went to class. No, I actually. You know what? I do know what happened. I got some coffee in me. And listen, that's a controversial thing for me because I, <laughs> when I'm on coffee, I often have a little bit of anxiety, mainly espresso because it's a little bit obviously like stronger. Um, I can't, I don't hold my caffeine well. I don't do it well. I get jittery very easily and I start to get into this place where I drone instead of like get awoken. So my, I don't, I'm not like really feeling like in my body and my head is just going a million miles a minute and I can't breathe. And my heart rate goes up, and it's a, it's, it's a bad deal. I'll just tell you that right now. It's not a good time. <laughs> but for whatever reason, um, I, had, I got a cup of coffee before class. And was there a solid, like, five minutes in class where I felt so jittery and, like, my heart was beating so fast that I had to close my eyes and take a few deep breaths? And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I can't believe I did this to myself. Why did I drink coffee? Mind you, it was a, it was 12 ounces of drip coffee. It was not like I was chugging like two shots of espresso, even an Americano. I, it was not that much, like not that much caffeine. Probably like double the dose of how much would be in like black tea. Um, but, you know, I was feeling it nonetheless. So I was having some trouble. But then I, you know after the class finished. The class itself was so exciting. I had ITP and we were talking about medieval history today, which we really haven't touched on. We touched on like all of Europe and theater. Well, no, we touched on the Greeks and the Romans, obviously, like in ancient times. And and here we talk more about medieval to Renaissance. And I was buzzing to say the least. Like I was having so much fun. And before I went to class, I was reading um, some of Geoffrey Chaucer's work. Uh, it's just, I was reading the book of the Duchess, which was just a poem that he wrote. Um, this current, I I just have a little bind up called Love Visions and it's, it contains the book of the Duchess, the house of fame, the parliament of birds, the legend of good women, which I'm pretty sure legend of good women was not finished. Um, just some works from Chaucer and listen, if you don't know, if you don't know my good man, my good man, Joffrey Chaucer, (laughs) this episode might be um might be hard for you um i i i cannot express enough how amazing his work is at least to me and i i really i really hope that everyone after if they do choose to listen will hear this and be like oh my god i need to like at least look into my good man joffrey chaucer because holy shit now generally like as you know this podcast is not strictly like an intellectual podcast but today it's just what i need um i don't know I also want to express the importance of coffee in terms of, like, intellectual history and just, like, the Age of Enlightenment, etc. Because if you know, also, my, some good reading, the world in six classes, the history of the world in six classes, coffee houses were generally um, considered places for ideas to be shared, for intellectual, scholarly men, usually, sadly, not many women were present here, um, they would sit, they would drink coffee, they would enthuse about their ideas, they would share ideas. Also, revolutions were started. The French Revolution, if you know Les Mis, ABC Cafe, 
they were doing, is that what it's called? Wait, I think it's ABC Cafe, but now that I say it out loud, I don't think it's real. Um, I don't know. There was a ca- there's that cafe scene, and it's it, it's it goes into the do you hear the people sing, and General Lamarck is like announced being dead, and they're like, well now it's time that we start the revolution. I don't know. Well, listen to slash watch Lamez. It's good. Um, but yeah, coffee houses are huge. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna take this moment and say I'm caffeinated up, and this space that we've created in here in this podcast is now a coffee house. Welcome. Um, so let's get into it. A huge theme in Joffrey Chaucer's work is courtly love. If you don't know, oh my God, if you don't know what courtly love is, don't you worry, I'm gonna explain it to you. Generally, it was a literary device portrayed in poetry at the time, at Chaucer's time, between um, a knight and a married noblewoman. Woman, sorry, I didn't mean to make it sound plural there. Basically, there was a general energy that a knight would be pining over a noblewoman publicly. Like, people would know that he had his interests set on her, that he wanted to hug and kiss and snuggle her. And she was not meant to overtly reject him for purity at all. She really wasn't meant to, like, feign disinterest. It was considered an honor. Like, she, it wouldn't be a threat to her husband she would just be like, oh yeah, of course you love me. And beyond anything else, in terms of literary devices, it kind of made, it emerged um, female characters and put them, took them from being like secondary characters and just wives and tokens who were being thrown around, more that we see like maybe in the Old Testament, if you want to look at that. Like in the Bible back then, women were kind of just mentioned as wives. That was really it. Here in courtly love situations, they were they were admired. Obviously, these poems written about them were lengthy, like lists of all the things that were admirable about them. Why these knights were essentially obsessed with them, um, and it was an honor for them. And generally, like these weren't like sexual relationships. It wasn't like they were having an affair. No, it was generally, like, it was it's more of a public presentation, from my understanding, at least, and from my reading. Um, and it's present in a lot of Chaucer's work. If you know Geoffrey Chaucer at all, you know the Canterbury Tales, which also were not finished. Oh, my God. I could talk about this for hours. It's insane that they're not finished, considering how many there are. Like, he wrote a good amount. The, Knight, the Knight's Tale is the first one that we, I'm pretty sure, like, is generally... Um, we don't know if he wrote them in order, but the way that it's like the context of it, there's an intro and the intro goes pretty seamlessly into the Knight's Tale, which is the first one. And it talks a lot about like the themes of courtly love, but it also has, it's a, it's a story about two men. I think they're merchants. I don't even know who they are. I haven't read it in a while, which it's, it's been like a year since I've read it, but essentially they're in love with this woman I think, is she the princess? I don't know. They're imprisoned by this man, this I think the king, and I think they're in love with his daughter. That's what I think it is. Honestly, I could fact check myself right now, but I don't want to. Maybe you should just read The Knight's Tale instead. And I point this out because, yes, a huge part of it is, of the poetry, is them talking about how amazing she is, but Chaucer does this thing that is extremely feminist, in my opinion, and he gives he gives um, the voice, a voice to 
the woman that they're pining over and he they give her it gives her a moment where she's praying i think in the temple of artemis or diana nope the di well di artemis and diana some people consider them interchangeable between artemis being the greek goddess diana being the roman goddess um diana's a virgin she's a huntress she is very she's not very into the patriarchy if that paints a picture um in this scene, the love interest, as you would call her, there's a name for her, and I'm for some reason blanking on it right now, but she goes and, is it Gertrude? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. But she prays to Diana and tells her, if I'm being so honest, I don't want to marry either of these men, because these men are obviously about to go, like in, in, in normal old, old tale fashion, these men are about to go head to head and like fight to the death to see who will win her hand in marriage. And she has a moment where she's praying to Diana and she says, if I'm being so honest, I don't want to be married and I want to go frolic in the fucking woods and be a wild, amazing woman. And it's so amazingly feminist. Are you fucking kidding me? For literal medieval Chaucer era, like I can't express to you enough. I want you all to read The Knight's Tale just because of how rich that one passage is. I remember we were talking about it in class last year and everyone quoted it when we, when we were, like, bringing up what to quote because it was so, one, like, rich in terms of, like, the prose. And beyond that, it was so, like, interesting to see that portrayal of a woman in the historical context of Tosser. Um, but, yeah, the whole point of courtly love, like, not the whole point, but, like, a huge point of it is just the fact that these women that were glorified and adored were also considered inaccessible. Like, they were not considered like, oh yeah, I'm gonna pine over her, and if I harass her enough, she's gonna eventually turn over and like, you know, just become my wife. No, no, no. The point was that they were inaccessible and that they were considered on like a higher status than the men who were in love with them. And that was the end of it. There would be the men in love with them and the women who had their life and, you know, honored, they thought they took the honor of, the, of their love and the admiration, but they never, they never did anything about it. They never stooped lower, at least not generally what we see. If you want to look, I think it's a Miller's Tale. Technically, the noble woman does end up taking a lover, but it's not, that's not a courtly love situation to my understanding. I'm not sure. But that is just huge to me. I just want to point that out. Now, um... You might be wondering, Vinny, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Well, first of all, it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. Two, it's so fucking cool. I'm sorry. If you if you want to sit here and tell me that you don't think that feminism found in, like, early, like, fucking medieval times is cool, what are you doing? The, do you understand? The church was, like, had a fucking chokehold on all of, like, literate Europe and... For that reason, they were able to, one, get rid of a lot of pagan texts, two, um, not really show anything that had to do with feminism, obviously. Like, the preferred tales for them were virginal women who were shameful and inherently sinners and therefore would keep their eyes cast down. They were not characters. They were secondary. So I just... This really tickles my brain, especially because I think because it's more 
it's more of a modern take, we, we can do something fun and we can bring it to modern times. Now, historians look at courtly love now and they generally debate whether or not it was just a literary device or if it was also like historically accurate, if this shit was happening in real life in the, back in that day. I'm gonna p beg the question, does it really matter? Because at the end of the day, what we have left of the courtly love, what is still living in our community and being studied is stuff like Chaucer. It's, it's real to us, you know? Like that's what we remember. So I'm gonna read what matters. Um, I'm gonna read a little excerpt from Chaucer. And this is from the Book of the Duchess that I was reading today. And listen, I understand some of you might not be fans of me reading Joffrey Chaucer to you. Um, if you are not, I completely understand this episode isn't for you. But today, I just want to do this. So taking it back low-key to the epigraph days, I'm just, I'm going to keep, I'm going to read. I actually don't, like, I did not set out a passage. I just want to read from the start of this essay. This essay, no, this poem. Um, and... I just, I, I, I want you all to hear Chaucer. I think he's so amazing. This is not, this is technically a translation because his original is in Middle English, which is not, um, it's not our English, but this is translated to, his orig to our modern English. So I believe there would have been a rhyming couplet in, in the first um, version. There might be some here, but I, I, it'll be rare. Um, all right, here we go. By heaven above, I wonder much. I stay alive, my sleep is such. My night and day, the barest wink. So many useless thoughts I think. Simply through lack of sleep and rest, that nothing stirs my mind or breast. Indifferent to what comes or goes, I, har I harbor neither joys nor woes. Love or hate, whichever it be, brings equal profit now to me. In spirit and sensation dumb, I'm spellbound in a trance and dumb. <laughs> Likely at any time to fall, for dreary specul speculations gall, and ever dominate my mind against the laws of humankind. It is, it is to sit, stay in such a mood, for nature does not count it good, for any living being on earth to suffer long devoid of mirth, and sleepless lapped in grief, grief and sorrow, and truly night and noon and morrow. I cannot sleep, a heavy gloom, so threatens me with the thoughts of doom this lack of sleep and sluggishness, have so destroyed my liveliness that I have lost all energy. Such weird imaginings come to me, I don't know what is, what is for the best. Men ask me why I cannot rest and, what, and wonder what my trouble is, but all the same, whoever asks this inquires in vain, for even I myself can't tell the reason why. In truth, but really it must be, as I suppose, the milady that I have suffered for eight years, as yet no cure for it appears. As for physicians, only one can heal me, and that hope is gone. So let us leave that what can't be cured, to later it must be endured, and to our story we must keep. Now, that is literally just the beginning. This, all, everything that I'm saying here in this podcast today is just scratching the surface of all that we can delve into in terms of love in terms of the history of it in terms of Chaucer I literally just read a little snippet that is the book of the Duchess like 
I'm sorry. If this is not setting you on fire like it is me, I'm so sorry. But, like, I just have to read it. Because, oh my god. Oh my god. First of all, I, I, if anyone needs explaining, I, I understand that this is poetry and that we can all interpret it in different ways. But it's very much the mood of it is at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, have we known that it starts with Romeo being all like literally like fucking angsty saying that he doesn't, he's sleeping a lot. Honestly, I'm pretty sure it says that he doesn't know when the sun sets or rises that, you know, the world is, is turned upside down because he's in love and everyone's like, dude, you're just, you're just horny. Like he is. And if you ask me, Romeo and Juliet were just horny, and, like, that was it. Romeo did not have any actual feelings. Um, and therefore, the, Leo the Leonardo DiCaprio version is the most accurate, in my opinion. So please go, please go watch that one. But, um, real. Like, it's so common, I feel like, to see at the time just men who are so in love that they, like, can't do anything else. Like, sorry. That's feminist as fuck. Like, are you kidding? It's always the men pining for some glorious, unattainable woman, right? Like, it's just, it's, it, it, it puts the women on this mighty pedestal, one that they're not expected to come down from, which is really cool. It says in, in, jo in Chaucer's poem that I'm saying now that he cannot be cured by any physician except one which like come on if if we're having if we're having trouble understanding um the one physician is this woman that he has been pining over for about 8 years now years so like be real let's be real um that's really well, not, like, comical, but, like, I have to laugh. Like, what? That's, that's hilarious. That he, one, is still hung up on this woman. Two, like, it looks like he's just continue, he will continue to put her on a pedestal, and that will be it. He said that nothing will cure him. He's not expecting this woman to come and cure him. Like, that's cool. So I think we can prance over now to modern day let's be sex in the city about it you know let's talk about what we think in terms of romance well let's take the heteronormativity out of it because it's the 21st century and obviously same-sex relationships exist but there still is a dynamic of the man and the woman of it all and i do still want to highlight the feminism of it all so i might speak in some heteronormative you know pairings sorry about it um there's an, this idea of not chasing, but attracting, right? Like, we've all seen it, perhaps on TikTok, etc., of like, I don't chase, I attract. And, oh my god. I, like many spiritual things on TikTok, like these affirmations and shit, I feel like it's sad because some people before they were popularized on TikTok, some people seriously relied on affirmations in the morning, like, with, upon your mental health. Like, you need, some bitches needed to write shit on their mirror and 
I know people, like women who struggle with postpartum depression, like before they went into labor, would put post notes around their house, like telling, like trying to coach themselves essentially through postpartum. Like, shit's real, right? Like most things on TikTok, they start at this origin where, like, shit is real. And then we go on TikTok, and there's these people who are essentially just trying to make their affirmations, their mental health practices slash spiritual slash tarot, etc. Even the Christian community that has done this with prayer, like it, they've tried to make it clickable. Like I'm gonna fix your life if you click, if you f- interact with my video. And I think it is the ugliest thing on planet fucking Earth. Sorry to to use the F word with the same word of Earth. I do love Earth, but like sincerely. I think it's horrible because I don't think we should be chasing. I, I think we should be attracting. I think you should live your life and not live for someone else entirely or at least to attract someone else. I think you should do always what's best for you, what's going to lead you forward in life and, you know, have people chase you, you know, and and often in the heteronormative form of that, there's the women who say, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to have a man chase me. So that's, is that not courtly love? Let's talk about it. And I think if I try to go into whether or not the idea of like women only being chased is feminist can get very cloudy. One, I'm not a woman. I'm a white man. Beyond that, we have apps such as Bumble that are created so that women will make the first move. You know, like there are different viewpoints. I've met, I've met some women who told me that their idea of being feminist in terms of romantic situations and heteronormative situations are being chased. Like, no, I don't chase, I attract. I want a man to follow me, which God bless them. And then there are others who are like, I'm not waiting for a man to make a move. I'm going to do my shit. And that doesn't make me some unproper lady. That just makes me someone who knows what they want and going after it. Valid as fuck. Like, there are both both sides to it, but for right now, I'm talking about courtly love, so I'm going to talk about the chasing, not attracting. Well, well, let's bring in now, let's take out the heteronormative of it, and let's t- just talk about, in general, chasing, n- attracting, not chasing. Here's where that falls apart. Some bitch has to still chase in order to attract, like... Does that make sense? If we're all operating under I don't chase, I attract, guess what? We're all going to be attracting and then not acting. Like that's where we're headed. So, I'm going to just I'm going to speak about myself real quick as a white dude. Um I'm chasing. I am chasing. That doesn't that's not because I'm a white dude, that's just because like that's who I am. Um if I like someone, ooh, if I have a little crushy crush, guess what I'm doing? I'm going after that shit. And eventually, if it's strong enough, if I feel like I can't just, like, operate under this whole flirtatious thing, I will break thine ice, and I will say, hello, I would like to date you. Sincerely, I, I do that. Because sometimes, oftentimes, I am... I say I would align with our words of Geoffrey Chaucer here and 
obviously Romeo at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, but I don't align myself with Romeo entirely because he's just a horny teenager, and I actually do like to like to say that I, I act upon I act in this way when I'm more than just a horny teenager. But it's, whatever, I'm 17. Okay, anyways, basically, when I fall, I fall hard, and um, I go after that shit because one, why not? It is fun as fuck. Like we. Don't, we don't have time. There is no time on this earth to not pursue. You know, like that's always been my that's always been my shtick. I just think, like, you know, we're gonna be dead tomorrow, and let's just go for it. And I will always operate off that. That's the same. I'm the same way in that way when I go up to people and ask for their Instagrams, numbers, etc. <laughs> when I'm leaving shit on people's doorsteps, like, it's. It, like, there's no time. There is no time. People will say, oh, my God, like, I, I wish I could be that bold. Bitch, be that bold. Like, we could die tomorrow. And how fun. Because at the end of the day, I know whoever I'm leaving little gifts for, whoever I'm, I'm going up to on the street saying they're beautiful. Like, does that? I know that even if they reject me, I know I flattered them. I brighten their day. If I have some sort of admiration for them, I want them to feel honored. So, like... It's kind of foolproof. Like, you're just going to go up and and do your shit, and, like, that'll be it. So, for that reason, I'm vouching for the chasing of it all, especially for men. I think it's funny to see men chase, because essentially, um, I think it's... I, I always love the trope of, like, man who might not seem the most emotionally available being batshit for a woman like that's just the truth of it in in high school i found that the guys i got along best with the guys who like really would do the most for their girlfriend like i'm sorry that was that is just like something i always would fuck like those are the guys i fucked with like and i understand there's there might be some controversy around that people might disagree with that but i'm just speaking from experience here hi this is a podcast more or less a one-sided conversation with when i'm just speaking so that's what i'm saying and i think in the terms of courtly love like it kind of puts whoever they're chasing on a pedestal and i think no matter what gender you are if you aren't like me and you just want to attract fucking do it like follow your nature is what i'm saying more because now people on tiktok are trying to generalize everything and say that you shouldn't chase you should attract which is fine but i don't think that that is going to work entirely because if everyone's just attracting nothing's going to happen so i'm calling out to my girlies here who who love to chase not that they love the chase because i'm going to tell you right now i don't love the chase i don't love playing the yes no game of do they like me am i is what i'm doing enough do are they picking up the signs are, will they date me cuz then i spiral and i'm like oh my god does this person like me i think i'm sending them vibes i think they're sending me vibes but i've had many situations where that has backfired so like that's hard i don't like the chase i just like it's not that i like it it's just like my nature is to chase and i'm not going to stop that in my opinion that makes shit happen because you know, maybe the person I like also likes to chase. I've had that situation, I guess, where they, they wanted to chase me back, and, you know, it got us together quicker. But there have also been instances in which, you know, many, um, where they were more of an attract person. 
And while that didn't work out great for me, <laughs> because I didn't get a uh, romantic connection or partner in the end, it's still made for, like, a fun time. And I'm sure it made for them to feel honored. It made some comedy, for sure, within the friend groups that I was in, etc. It made some drama. Sometimes it, it, it helped me get to school in the morning, if we all know that, um, that idea. It's just... It's just fun to think about. I don't think that we should drop the idea entirely. Like, I'm kind of... Sorry, I just hit the microphone. I'm really sorry if it just rocked the boat a little bit. But I'm kind of in favor. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I also will say that sometimes being the chaser isn't the most fun. Sometimes being enamored with someone does not work out the greatest. Sometimes it's just kind of shit. Sometimes you are left really heartbroken and you wonder why you even did it in the first place, especially if, you know, the memories you made weren't, weren't that incredible. And maybe you just can't even stand to look at those memories or think about them because they hurt too much. But with all that, like I've experienced some of the greatest pain in my life because I've been, I've been this little, this little troll, this little, this little chaser. Um, and yet you know I'm like, I'm there, I'm coming back for more in the end. Why? Literally, why? Look at fucking Joffrey Chaucer. My good man, Joffrey Chaucer. Man's was like, literally, he could have laid this shit down. He could have not suffered, you know? He could have been like, I'm done. I'm going to wait for someone. This is, of course, assuming that what he's writing about is true to his life. If not, I'm still going to talk about it as if it is because, like, you know, it's all the same. It's all, this is all we're left with. But... He could just, like, he could just, you know, extract himself from said situation and make his life a little bit better and just been like, you know what? No, I'm not going to put myself through this, and I'm going to only be with someone that really reciprocates. I'm not going to pine over this woman for eight years. But he doesn't. And you're like, why? And I'm like, makes sense, honestly. I know the fucking feeling. There's something about not wanting to let go of the pain of it all because it's like almost fulfilling in a way that's and that's hard to say but like one artistically when you feel passion of some sort you are sometimes not in the best space mentally but artistically like you're getting fueled the one thing about pining over someone is that shit will get you painting it will get you writing poetry it will get you singing and playing and learning the piano at midnight like that is what it is and i'm sorry but that is so amazing and so much fun after my first big breakup i learned how to crochet and um i crocheted my first sweater and honestly i don't see myself that doing that big of a project anytime soon because it was a huge project it took me like eight months but after i finished it i was like this is a product of my suffering, not like suffering, but like, like I, I really felt deeply for someone and I went through shit and then I made a sweater. Like, that's cool. Is it not cool? I'm like, I'm geeking out about that because that's why we do this shit to ourselves, you know? At least to me it is. Like, you guys can, you know, I, I am a-okay with you guys hearing this and being like, literally, what is he talking about? Like, he's on drugs, which I technically am. I'm on, I'm on caffeine, y'all. But like, it's, it's very... I don't know. It's just, it, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, 
we're, we're going to keep putting ourselves through the fucking ringer because one, the highs are high in the chance, in the slim chance that that person is going to reciprocate and you're going to have a bit of a tit for tat with them. And you know, you're going to have some fun memories, even if you don't even know that, even if they don't know that you like them, even if it's just like, you're excited because you're hanging out with them and they just think that it's like a, a chill friend hangout. There's still such a huge exchange of energy in my opinion. And like, in my experience, a huge, like, so many just, like, waves of giddiness and excitement that's so palpable. And those highs become so high that eventually they will plummet to the lowest of lows. And I'm sorry, those lowest lows get us writing our shitty-ass poetry. They get us listening to our saddest music. They get us, you know... If maybe maybe those of you who choreograph, maybe are doing your saddest fucking swan lake dances. Like I don't know, but it's it's humanity. It's like it's why we do shit, you know. So in the end, the pain isn't. Oh, sorry, I'm screaming, but the pain isn't, or at least shouldn't be avoided because that is what the where the most meaty and like interesting and detailed stories come from and art and like expressions, art expressions come from. And for that reason, we should never avoid the pain. We're gonna, and, and you know what? Let's take it outside the realm of, of breakups or losing, losing your, your beloved. We could take it into death and a death in the family, a death of a friend, death of someone you love, grieving. Grief and loss have proven to show to, to showcase and create the most amazing artworks. Sorry, but, like, if you think about our world wars and the art surrounding those world wars, there's the art that was destroyed, the pieces of history that were destroyed in, in, that, in those world wars. Like, obviously, the bombs, especially World War II, like, you know, crazy. There was, there was so much shit being destroyed. And then also so much shit... So many stories arising from that. Poetry and shit like that. Like, Night by Elie Wiesel is one of the most beautiful memoirs out there. It is so painful. It is so horrible that that shit actually happened. But if you're going to read it, no matter how horrific and horrible it was, it is beautiful what came out of it. Does that make sense? It's still poetic. The idea of romance in in the time of war is so horrible and so terrifying but does that not elevate the romance and the beauty of the love that people can share in the face of all that death and destruction like does it not beautify it more i'm going on a tangent but that's what we're here to do like i i just want i want people to understand the gravity and the beauty of it all like tragedy makes beauty big time you know I don't know. Uh, my my mind is tired. I think I'm going to cut this one short because honestly, it was a bit dense. You know? Like it was a bit dense. So that's it. <laughs> I'm really sorry if I lost you. I'm really sorry if I hurt your ears because I'm pretty sure I was just screaming into this mic. But 
I really felt passionate about this one. I, I, I really, I, I also hope for those of you who stuck around really see the evolution of my day to day because this morning I had nothing going for me. I was, I was dry. I was not feeling anything. I was like, no, literally nothing is gonna make me want to actually produce content today, let alone research. Um, and then I went to class and I drank some coffee and I was on fire by the time I got home. And I did some research, I did some writing, I did a little bit more rereading of my good man Chaucer and I got here and I did this and this has really, really a thousand times over fulfilled me and I'm so happy I created this. And hands down, this has to be what, I'm like so proud of this episode already. I haven't even listened to it back. You know I'm not gonna edit it so hopefully it's not like actually bad. But I really hope you guys listen to it because like I really, really like this episode. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel really happy and on fire right now. I'm sorry to any guests that I promised would be on. I I'm sure I'll get you on soon, but I just, this, this episode needed to be released and happening. So I love you all. Um, thank you so much for those who stuck around and listened. DeepSqually.Vinny is, is the Instagram. Reheated underscore pod is on Twitter if you guys want to follow it, but I kind of like that nobody follows it. So with that, I leave you. Goodbye.